Welcome to Performance Anxiety, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. I am your host, Mark. And before we get into things, I want to take a second and thank AKG for the amazing Lyra mic and headphones that I'm using from their Podcaster Essential set. I'm really pleased with how they performed. Sean Dowdell and Mace Byers from the band Grey Days joined the show to talk about their favorite unplugged albums. And as luck would have it, they're releasing their own acoustic EP called Amends Stripped. It's acoustic version of five tracks from their recent album Amends. Grey Days was Chester Bennington's band before he shot to stardom in Lincoln Park. It's a rare chance to hear someone on the precipice of explosive success in a stripped-down version. Amen's Stripped is a limited release, so I suggest grabbing a copy before they're gone. And follow the band at Grey Days Official. Follow us at Performance ANX. Subscribe, rate, review. You can even buy us a coffee with no commitment at ko-fi.com slash performanceanxiety. Merch is available at performanceanx.threadless.com. Now let's light some candles, unplug everything, and check out Sean and Mace of Grey Days on Performance Anxiety, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Um, so I guess we're just waiting for Mace, right? Yeah, I'm just gonna, maybe I should just text him real quick. Sure. And oh, there he is. Oh, he's a good, cool. Enjoy the loud There he is. Excellent. All right. Base Myers. All right. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, guys? Good. Thanks for having us on. I'm just growing. I'm hanging around, growing facial hair. You and me both, man. Just kind of. I had Sean on a while back, and we talked about the uh, original release, the full album release. And so I just kind of want to touch on how you guys turned half of it into an acoustic album. So, but since the show isn't really set up for short updates, I figured let's stay topical and, and talk a little bit about maybe like your favorite unplugged album, which may, you know, you know, maybe had some influence, maybe not on doing your own version of an unplugged album. So, so Mason and I were actually uh, able to speak uh, in advance of the interview, given the topic, and we both came up with the same exact performance, <laughs> which kind of surprised me. I thought Mace would pick another one, but we picked the Alice in Chains performance on MTV Unplugged. Nice. I almost and, picked that uh, one myself. Yeah, to me, uh, I think it's just the most outstanding Unplugged performance. And the follow-up to your question is, uh, uh, those are the benchmarks when you look at trying to do something unique and unplugged. When you when you have those in your, your, uh, your musical upbringing and your growth, it becomes part of who you are as a musical writer. So, of course, all of us, Mace, Kristen, myself, and Chester included, even though he's not here, uh, we looked at that Allison Chains unplugged as, as a benchmark for sure. Oh, absolutely. They were just able to capture emotional um, intensity that, you know, I went back and watched it again last night, yeah. uh, knowing that we were going to do this interview. It's just amazing. So, so you may, so you had the same choice. Yeah. I, you know, for me, it's, it's the time period that, you know, great days was, you know, really rocking and it just, when it comes to making a song an acoustic version for a rock band, not every band can do it. Right. A, you have to have a great vocalist because uh, 
it, you're it's stripped out. You're, you're, he's naked. Yeah. And also, your your songs have to hold up. So you don't have to be loud. You don't need big amps or anything like that. The song, the melodies have to hold up on their own. And then you have to have the the uh, the actual talent to you know the chops to play these songs live and naked. You know, when you're playing a ba- acoustic bass, acoustic guitar, uh, you know, all these things, you don't have power behind you. You know, it, you're, you're naked, so to speak. Right. And this- he's right. There, there's a there's a dynamic that happens when when converting an existing song back into an acoustic song. Like and, and a great example of what he just says is. The melody has to be good all on its own like for example i don't know how an artist and of course i'm sure there's an exception i don't mean to get hated on by saying this but i don't know how you could take like an edm song and try to strip it down the way we did because there's so much forefront pressure from the musical side that the vocals would would kind of get lost in trying to take all that away from it it would it would almost feel like there's not enough content there. So he's, I think he, he touched on something really poignant there is that the, that vocal melody and even the guitar melody, bass melody, it has to be strong enough on its own right. to stand up acoustically. And, and you know, what's interesting. Uh, even when we were first doing the amends itself, instrumentation, we changed a lot, but like, if you were to take Alice in Chains and wood or just whatever the songs you could take any one of those instruments and the melody line and change it to another instrument and would hold up. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a guitar. It doesn't have to be a bass. It's just a well written melody and, or just a guitar, you know, a melody line. Right. And that's why it's all stripped down and you're hearing this little melody line here. And you know, you got Michael Inez jumping on another acoustic and this, you know, the Scott, uh, the extra guitar player is jumping on the bass uh, because they're just making sure those melody lines are, are coming through that they tracked on the record, but they're still just stripped down naked. Just a melody line. They could have whistled it. Yeah. You know, in fact, just like, just like our song, you know, shouting out with the whistling. Yeah. You, know, you could have probably done whistles behind the whole song. And just Chester, and it'd be amazing. Oh, for sure. And I started, I went back and I looked at a, actually, I didn't look at every episode, but I looked at all the bands and artists who had done an episode of Unplugged. And, you know, there's, uh, gosh, I'm trying to remember. It started in 89, and then it ended up in, in the early 2000s, took a hiatus for a while and came back. And there were some really interesting acts on there. Uh, you know, some people you, you wouldn't have expected. Like I, I forgot Rat did, did a three song MTV unplugged. I didn't see that one, but <laughs> I did. I did see the one where it all started was with the Bon Jovi, the Bon Jovi guys. Yeah. And they really set a very high standard. You know, you may or may not like their music, but you can't really deny what they did in the music world. True. And those guys, they really set a high bar for the unplugged. You know, of course, there's there's a there's a few episodes, you know, Pearl Jam, Nirvana that that stand out. But the one that to me, the, the, the one of the main reasons is, is Alice and Chains were such great songwriters, but in the acoustic setting, their vocal harmonization, I don't know that I've ever seen that. And don't laugh at me when I, when I make the comparison in other bands, 
so good other than maybe the Bee Gees. The harm the vocal harmonization is so good. Yeah. I mean it it's almost like you could take either one of their vocal lines and make that the lead vocal line. And sometimes you don't even know if you had to say which is the lead vocal line, you're listening to some of their songs. And you're like, I don't know. These are kind of both lead vocal lines. Yeah, it's it's very. They I, are. They, they, they really work well together. I, yeah, I and I agree with the Bee Gees. You're right. Bee Gees, Everly Brothers, you know, groups Eagles. like that. That's a little before my time. <laughs> <sighs> so, I mean, of course, the Beatles is a standard that, that everyone wants to aspire to. But I just right. think for, for this conversation, acoustic setting, reformatting rock songs, I'm not sure that that's appropriate. But it's just... Their their ability to work together vocally, I can't imagine the the dynamic that those two had when they were writing together. It must have been amazing to be in the room. Oh gosh, yeah. My choice was a little different. It was f- for a similar reason, but I I, I actually picked Neil Young's performance. Yeah, on Unplugged. that's excellent. He because yeah. it was actually his second attempt at doing MTV's Unplugged. So the, I don't know if you guys had heard this. Story. I didn't know that. Yeah, a few months earlier, he went in and. Um, the band, it was basically the Stray Gators with uh, Nils Lofgren on, in the band. And they, uh, I'm trying to remember exactly how it went. They they rehearsed, they went in to do the episode of Unplugged, and they did. They had so many mistakes, so many false starts. They got through me at most, maybe half the set, and Neil just got up and literally ran out the door into Manhattan. Neil should have just got on his guitar and sang, because Neil is an acoustic guy. But for me, that's an easy... Unplug Neil, get up there, play. You know, yeah, they made they it complicated. He did. They made it way too complicated, and they fucked up the soup. But, you know, they fucked up the mix. But what I liked about that episode of Unplugged is that he picked songs that weren't the radio hits. I mean, he did the stuff from Harvest Moon that had just come out, but he also did stuff from Trans, like Transformer Man, did in a, a really slowed down acoustic version of Mr. Soul, uh, a pump organ version of Like a Hurricane. You know, it, he really did do some unexpected stuff. So it was, to me, that was what was the most uh, impressive part about it was taking stuff that, like like a sample and hold, he also did. I mean, doing that acoustic was just unbelievable. Did, uh, so there's a, I forget what song it was. It had a false start. Alice in Chains had a false start. Sludge Factory. Then, yeah, yeah, he's like, fuck, fuck. And he stopped. <laughs> he forgets and the lyrics. And started again. Yeah. Um, but, you know, nowadays, if you think about that, uh, most bands, I don't care who you are, a lot of them would probably be having something pre-taped with that. Even though yeah. it's even though it's an acoustic strip down, I, I guarantee there'd be bands trying to sneak shit in. Oh, yeah. And yep. no need. And let me tell you if, you, if you messed up and stop, there's no stopping. There's no stopping when you're playing with a, a backtrack. Yeah. Um, but this is a testament to players. When you watch Austin Chain, this is a testament to their to their their chops. Yeah. You know how, how you know, great they are live. And but even Michael, I remember when I first saw that back in the day. I'd never really messed with acoustic bass. And uh, you know, if you look at a lot of the older uh, MTV uh, Unplugged, the bass player is playing a regular electric bass. He stepped out yeah. and grabbed himself an acoustic bass, which and ha- and got good great tone again players tone is a lot to do with you as a player as well and uh so i thought that was cool that, you know stripped up and done it, you know oh yeah it, and uh, aerosmith was one of the only other bands that did 
it completely acoustic, you know, no amps, no, like you're saying, no electric bass. They're great live. I've yeah. seen Aerosmith numerous times live and he's Tyler's is great live. Yeah. You know, they all are again, they're a live band. Hey, look, you know, Chester was great live, you know? Yeah. Have to be fixed in the studio. And the same thing with the, the cats we're talking about here, you know, Steven and, how did you guys decide to do an acoustic EP? And all right. So before we get into, let me, I'm going to ask three questions, I guess, in a row, because I'm assuming one answer may be able to answer them all, but how did you come up with the idea in the first place? Cause I don't see a whole lot of bands doing acoustic albums anymore, you know, acoustic versions of their original releases. How did you choose the songs and then, and why an EP and not the full album? So, when we were recording amends tom tom wally the the ceo of the record label we're on was in the studio with us and said hey guys we're gonna need a couple of extra tracks for our retail partners like walmart and target and for the japanese release we need at least one extra special track that they get an exclusive on for their packaging for their retail clients and so we showed him some acoustic ideas and he said, those are great. Let's do those. So he sent us into the studio with Billy Bush after we recorded amends and we redid three of the songs. What's in the eye sometimes in soul song, uh, because we had those versions prepped and, and ready for acoustic versions. Oh. Then after we released the record, he listened to them enough. And we had a lot of conversations, him, uh, Ryan Wally at the label and, he said, why don't you guys do an entire album of acoustic songs? And so I went back and talked to Mason, Kristen, and we kind of came up with the idea of just doing the EP because we didn't think some of the songs, first of all, we didn't have the versions uh, in acoustic format, but we didn't think like songs like, at least not the time, not to say we couldn't That's go back right. and try it, but we didn't think that songs like maybe She Shines or Sickness loaned themselves as beneficially to an acoustic rendition okay so we, we we came up with the songs we wanted we had a couple more actually picked out but once we decided we we're going to do an ep we knew we wanted to do five and then i believe it was um mace that brought up on, on one of our band calls and said you know what about using the version that we did in 97 that where mace is playing a 12 string and our original guitar player bobby's playing a 12 string i'm playing piano and chester singing and we just, we were in the middle of a recording session for No Sun Today. And I think I sat down on the piano we, and we pinged it out a couple of times wow. and we just ran through it and we didn't multi-track the session. We just had a couple of microphones in the room, but it captured a really uh, interesting dynamic between the band members and a really, in my opinion, a very captivating performance from Chester. It's not perfect. I mean, there's missed notes and stuff like that but we weren't trying to be perfect. We were just literally just jamming in a room and captured that. And that's why we decided it was a, a nice way to pay homage to Bobby. Uh, and it just captured a unique moment in the great days uh, history to, to put it on acoustic record. It just seemed felt right. Mace, do you have anything to add to that? No. <laughs> <laughs> you nailed it as usual. <laughs> we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. So these aren't just um, different takes of Chester's vocals that you use for the album. These, some of these are actually just versions that were recorded a, a years ago. All of them were recorded years ago wow. uh, with different versions and takes. You know, we, of course, you know, we had to, we had to use some, some vocals to, to um, 
I guess subsidizes the word in parts that were that were not tracked properly. But okay. overall, they're different. They're overall the different takes, and you'll hear the different connotations in Chester's voice. Oh yeah, uh, different different tempos and everything. Uh, I, I think. Look, Mace, Kristen, and myself, we're very proud of of what we what we did. We know it's not going to you know have this huge widespread impact in the music world. That's not why we did it. And to be quite honest bands like Nirvana and Alice in Chains, when they did those acoustic performances, it really inspired us to kind of, I don't want to say follow suit because I don't think we copied what they did, but try to do a version in our own way that made sense, that still loaned itself really well to our music and kept the great A's vibe in that environment. Was going back and and redoing this. I know we talked a lot about going back and, and listening to all the, the the tracks when you were putting amends together, did you, were you having a, the, the similar experience with Stripped, where you know you're just hearing this stuff and going, "Holy shit, this is even better than I remember." Yeah, when we I worked on sometimes, I, go ahead, Mace, go ahead. I personally uh, hearing that some of the different vocal takes was was like me, you know, I'm a I'm personally a fan of Chester's, yeah. you know, so. When I hear new vocal tracks in the studio that we're working on, when we're working with arrangements, it affects me a lot like it does the fans. It's it's new to me. Twenty some years ago, last time I heard that take, if yeah. I even heard it, because I was you know there every vocal take, and who's going to remember something from that? But using different vocal takes and stuff is uh, was really cool for me. It's like a new tune again, just a new vibe. So. It's the emotions, you know, very kind of a little bit brings up the emotions because it's something new and fresh. And that's one of the, the interesting things, because when Amends came out and I was listening to it, it was a definitely shining a light on the band as a whole. You know, you could hear the quality of the music, the songwriting. It, it was fantastic. The and, and this is what happens to a lot to, to me personally when I hear acoustic versions, they tend to. I, I personally tend to focus more on the s- vocals and the singer because everything's pared down a lot and, and they come to the forefront a lot more. And that's what happened with Stripped. And what's blowing me away more is how his voice already seems so fully formed as as an artist. But he was still a, a teenager at this point, right? No, um, no. Okay. That's, that's the misconception. I think there's a lot of misinformation when we first put out a man's we joined together in our very first inception when he was 15, right. but we didn't record our first record till he was 18. And the second record, he was 21, I believe, okay, okay. or right about to be 21. So he wasn't he as, he, he wasn't again. as young and inexperienced as everybody thinks he was. Okay. He, you know, the, by the time the band ended up breaking up, we had been a group for six years and, and we had played hundreds and hundreds of shows. So he had really honed his craft. Now, of course, when he joined Lincoln Park, things went to a different level. Um, I will say professionally and, and how, how how big the band became. But Chester was a rock star when we were playing with him. The band was on it. When we yeah. played, we sold out shows. We held our own against nationals every time we did it. So we weren't just some garage band. I think that's a bit of a, a misconception. Okay. We had three different record deals. We uh, had tons of interest. We had songs on the radio. We did really well. Uh, it just came to an end abruptly and uh, Chester moved on to Lincoln Park. So go ahead, Mace. <laughs> an abrupt ending. Thanks to Mace Myers. <laughs> we won't get into the breakup. Well, oh. Sean left after that. He's like, I had enough. Yeah, I yeah, see you. 
Hey, <laughs> speaking of breakup, see ya. He's back. Oh, good, good. I should be here. You guys got me? Oh, you're back. Yeah. yeah. You, were, you were gone for a second. I said I was kind of bringing up the breakup, kind of how I kind of created it a little bit, and then you were gone. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I wanted to tell <laughs> You know, when you talked about our um, our approaching these songs and did we did we seem to, you know, look at them differently with these different takes. And for me, what pops out was when we're in the studio with Billy and the song sometimes. And when we got to that bridge, the bridge was we we wrote something completely different than the original version of that. And I personally think the acoustic version of sometimes turned out better than the rock version of sometimes it just makes me tear up every time i hear it wow and it's just it's really emotional i love it sometimes things just seem to fall apart when you least expect them to Sometimes You wanna back up and leave behind All of them and all their smiles I don't know What to think anymore That was that standard I was talking about when we first signed on. Um, we talked about that Allison Chains. When those guys are singing the song Nutshell, the emotional impact that that song has as a listener, it just, it's, they get the lump in your throat and you're like, Jesus, this guy is really feeling this sorrow, this sadness, this alone. He, you can tell he feels lonely. And he really is not just a lyric. When he says that line, you know, no place to go home. When he sings that line, man, God, it gives me chills every time because he is living that vocal lyric in the moment he's, he's performing it. And I think that, you know, by the grace of God, you know, I, I hope we accomplished a similar uh, moment in sometimes. Actually, that's my favorite track off the EP. And it really puts the songs in a new light from the original release of amends, not, you know, not hearing this until this coming out and, you know, and having no, not a whole lot of experience until talking with you the very first time with great days. It's uh, it really puts everything in a, in a different perspective. It's, it's a really, really interesting release. And it's fascinating to hear the different takes. Well, thank you. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, when, when you're playing acoustic, when you're, when you're playing any song, you don't want to step on the vocals. Right. But when you're playing acoustic, it's even more apparent to stepping on something and uh, so you simplify, but you, again, you don't have the big, when there's a break with a Tom and a, and a big reverb kicking and a, Oh, that's my favorite part. That big Tom hit or that, you know, this that's gone now. And now it's all about the song. It's not about the hi-hat thing or the guitar riff. It's about the bulk of the story. And as long as you have that better lettuce underneath that great, vocal it's gonna it's gonna come off well i think it came out I agree with everything you just said I, well i think you guys did a masterful job working these songs and for them being recordings that were never really meant to be 
released or, or, or never intended to be released, as I guess I should say, they sound fantastic. Thank you. A lot of work. Thank you very much. Years. So what's next for the, for the band? You've, so you have amends have come out to, you know, great reviews and you've got this acoustic EP that is a, a left turn from it and a wonderful left turn. What's next for you guys? Go ahead, Mace. What material we have left, we want to release. We want to finish what we started. And so there'll be another full-length record out with the material well, we've that been, is not released. We've been writing for the last eight months together. We finally finished our writing sessions about two weeks ago. Oh, cool. Uh, we go back in the studio in April with a producer named Shooter Jennings and S.J. Jones. Oh, they're going to co-produce... Uh, uh, we're gonna. They're gonna co-produce our new album, and uh, we'll hopefully have it done um, early, early summer. So probably in May, sometime. Oh, well, that's fantastic! We'll have to have you guys back on for that. Yeah, so, for sure. So how Absolutely. can? Oh, go ahead, Mace. I keep. We, I keep interrupting Mace. No, I, I'm the interrupter. I'm from Jersey. <laughs> hey, I, I, I lived in <laughs> Jersey. For, on you. <laughs> hey, I'm from Jersey too. So that's I, all I was right. Just agreeing. I was just. I was just agreeing. That's all. I was like, you know, that's all. So where can everybody find the album? How can they pick it up and, and give it a listen? So I know there's a very limited amount of pressings. I'm not even sure how many, maybe 500 or a thousand. I, I really don't even know the answer, but you can go to, uh, we did a collaboration with revolver magazine. So you can get it at revolver magazine, or you can get it at great And it's only on vinyl. It's not on CD. It's really limited. And then you can go to Spotify or iTunes as well. It's there. I, any, any of the streaming platforms. Like maybe 250 or 350 I, of the clear vinyl yeah. from Revolver. Yeah, I think it's 350. Um, yeah. yeah, not that many. Not that many. Yeah, I, I wouldn't That's want to play limited, it. Limited, limited. Man. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, well, you know, even we wanted to make sure. <laughs> I, I think the I think the whole intention behind putting it out was that we had the material and it should have a home somewhere. And for us, we have such limited amount of material. We want to have a, a physical manifestation of whatever we're putting out there. So we weren't trying to sell a million records with this. We just wanted to have it out there so that the, the true collectors and true fans could grab it if they wanted it. And if not, then, you know, we weren't spending, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to put it out that we just want it out there. We feel very passionate about the music, the way we did it in an acoustic format. We think it's great. Uh, and we hope that you like it too. Uh, I love it. And I've, the one thing I did notice when I went to S Revolver to, to see the vinyl edition, it's actually reasonably priced too. It's not like it's a limited edition and it's like a $50 vinyl too. So that's that uh, hats off to you yeah, guys for, for being fan friendly. Price or, yeah. yeah well, I, to be honest, we don't even have anything to do with that. <laughs> we don't even, we don't, I'll be honest. We don't make any of those decisions. You know, but if, if it were put in front of us, we'd have the same opinion. We don't, we're not trying to do anything like that. So right. um, we're not, none of us are doing this for the money. We're trying to, we're trying to make sure that this music has a home and, and adds to Chester's legacy. And for those that like it, great. And, and, uh, and if you don't, that's okay too. Well, where, yeah, we mean, love it. Now, Bert, here you go. Um, if I, if I was to see something overpriced or if Sean was to see something like it's, uh, we would definitely speak up. There's no way it would get by us. That's, you know, we that's definitely make sure we know what's going on and that, you know, nothing is exploited. 
Well, you know? hey guys, I have to get going. I have another call. I hate, I hate to break this up, but thank you, you so much it. for having me on and having Mace on and giving the, the great A's uh, band support and love. We appreciate it. My pleasure. We'll tell everybody to follow you guys on social media to keep up with the news. Hey, hey, great days. Official great days. Thanks. Have an awesome night. You two guys will talk to you later. I will be waiting with a song in my soul. A fortunate weekly, which I have foretold. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.